the Chicago way meets the Delaware way. Miranda Devine from the New York Post, author of Laptop from Hell, about that Hunter Biden laptop. Jeff Carlin is here, as always. Master of sound, master of cats, master of pies. And I'm John Cass, husband, father, Orthodox Christian, and editor-in-chief of your favorite website for common sense, John Cass News. And where are you? Where Barack Obama is pretending not to know what Joe Biden was doing as the bagman, his son, was rolling around on the doing the Delaware way or the Chicago way and making that laptop from hell. You're an American and you've got to pay attention because there are many people who are trying to get you to not pay attention to what Miranda Devine has written. And I understand why, and so do you, because you're not a Chumbalone, and this is not the Chumbalone zone. This is the no Chumbalone zone. You understand it, why they want you to not to see, not to read, not to pay attention, not to know, because they're in on it. The media helped cover it up. The FBI and big tech, big in- intel helped cover it up. You're on the Chicago way on WGN+. Plus. So this is a guy who lives high on the hog and he has this Tammany Hall style attitude to power. And um, it is, it's the Chicago way. Look, the, the, the Chicago way is a deep cultural phenomenon. It's the Chicago way. The Chicago way. That's the focus. In a tower by the river, there lived a man. There was a man who took a stand with pen and paper in his hand, defeating foes in every ward with a pen more mighty than the sword. No escape from his ink lasso in a tower by the river. Castle. Here's how you get him. He pulls a knife, you pull a gun. He sends one of yours to the hospital, you send one of his to the morgue. That's the Chicago way. Well, as promised, one of the most important columnists in the country with the most important book, Laptop from Hell, Hunter Biden, Big Tech, and Dirty Secrets the President Tried to Hide. And our guest, as promised, Miranda Devine of the New York Post. Good afternoon, Miranda. Welcome to the Chicago Way. Good afternoon, John. Lovely to be with you. I'm so formal. You guys should have heard us right before <laughs> Jeff started recording. <laughs> anyway, um, Jeff, so what do you think? We have Miranda. Any questions? Yeah, great. I mean, before we jump into it, Miranda, I know, you know we're here in Chicago, and uh, John obviously is formerly of the paper, a.k.a. the Tribune. Um, but there's a cr- some crossover and some serendipity in the, the two of you because you have connections to the Sun-Times through your father. Is that correct? Yes. So my father was editor of the Sun-Times um, back in the 80s, and um, I was at Northwestern. I used to... Um, catch the train up to Evanston every morning, and uh, I went to Medill School of Journalism. And there's some serendipity there, John, right? I mean, you were telling me a story off air that... Well, what happened was is that um, that Miranda's father, Frank Devine, the editor of the Sun-Times, was trying to keep um, Mike Royko at the paper and at the Sun-Times. And uh, I had already... I just started writing for the Chicago Tribune 
and I was a kid, you know, new kid on the block, scared of my shadow, not no, you know, amazed at all these great journalists with a capital J and all these people that I found later out to be, you know, many of them. Some were really good guys, men and women, and some were just, you know, East Coast phonies pretended, pretenders, you know. <laughs> and uh, I, I had to learn that. And so in the meantime, uh, I got fired because uh, your father could not keep Royko at the Sun Times, and he came over to the Chicago Tribune with a price. And the price oh. was, the price was besides the uh, salary and benefits and all that, golf clubs and so forth, <laughs> the price was also uh, that he was going to bring his people with him, you know, his posse. Sure, his crew, yeah. His crew. And so, really? The, and so they all, they called me into the office. I'd just written, I think every Sunday we were doing a uh, page one story. Every Sunday. That's not bad once a yeah. week, right? Page yeah. one. And an investigative story. And um, they called me in and said, uh, John, we got to let you go. Because uh, Royko's got some people coming over and, these are experienced journalists, and we can't – it would be immoral to keep you because, John, you can't write and you can't report, <laughs> and we need the space. You know, basically, they just wanted to cut the kid's head off and move, a, move uh, open a slot so they could they could hire them. And I, I never really held your father personally accountable for that, <laughs> Miranda. It's good if you can. Well, maybe if he'd been more persuasive with Mike Roycott. You oh, might have yeah. stayed at, at the Tribune and they might have turned you and you wouldn't be the enlightened soul you are today. So really, in adversity comes blessings. There you go. Silver lining. I love it. Miranda, the only way I could have stayed at the Tribune is to um, basically uh, agree to be as woke as they. Yes. Although uh, I'd rather... You know, I'd rather scream freedom like Braveheart and like I, I know what happened to him because I've done the research and I really wouldn't want that to happen to me. But, yeah, uh, you know, basically I'll scream freedom and fade out, fade to black because I'm or, not going to go woke. Or freedom, as, freedom. Um, as <laughs> right. our Kamala Harris says, that she used to say when she was a babe in arms, freedom. Do you get that energy from your uh your parents or the, the thought of, Hey, I have to fight for what's right. And, um, yeah. I got to get out there. And I mean, when, when were you out there protesting? Well, I was in a stroller. <laughs> I was in a stroller. And, um, so I was out there and in fact, my wow. mother used to have a very funny story, but I was fussing and, and, and she said, Kamala, what do you want? And I said, and this is how she would say it. And she said, Kamala, what do you want? And I said, freedom. <laughs> no. Didn't she steal that from uh, from uh, Martin Luther King? I believe so. Yes. But, I mean, really, what's the difference between them? <laughs> well, the difference is that she's the plagiarist and he's the the civil rights leader. But, um, well, she regards herself as being a civil rights leader. Anyway, so tell us about this book because yeah. it, here's what's going on, everybody. I'm sure you paid attention. You're not... You, if you weren't paying attention to the news, 
you would not be here on the Chicago way. Mm-hmm. We've got Miranda Devine from the New York Post. Uh, I guess I could call her a colleague because I've written, I think, one or two columns for the New York Post while you've been there. So that's awesome. Like, and I'm, I'm still waiting for the check, by the way. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but uh, it was fun to do. Anyway, so she's Thank got you. the, she's got the uh, laptop from hell. I think that this book is an amazing book, and I think everyone should get it for Christmas, Miranda. I I would hope you'd agree with me. That would be fantastic. And I think especially the people who should get it are people who read the New York Times and the Washington Post and watch CNN and MSNBC and CBS and just have absolutely no idea that this is a real story about corruption in The presidency, this is the president of the United States who has been running this influence peddling scheme with his family for over four decades, who internationalized it when he was vice president, took millions of dollars from China, our greatest adversary, from Russia, from Ukraine, from Romania, Kazakhstan, you name it. And, um, and now he's president and you know, you wouldn't you wouldn't be really paranoid to ask is he is he compromised by China in particular, particularly when his administration seems to have gone soft on China and wound back some of the Trump era sanctions and um, so on. And so you don't hear a word of that in the New York Times and the Washington Post. It took the New York Times nineteen months to acknowledge that there was a laptop and that it was real and that emails aren't were authentic. Um, and they did that buried in the 24th paragraph of a page on, like, B17. <laughs> yeah, and that. that was only one reporter who was kind of doing the right thing. And other than that, you know, and then the rest of the left-wing media that, 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 that basically informs or disinforms 50% of the country, then they... Um, decided that it was okay to mention the laptop and actually it was okay to say, yeah, it was real. But they always had this identical boilerplate paragraph inserted. It was almost like it came from the White House and it said, there is no evidence that Joe Biden knew anything about what was going on with his son's overseas business dealings. Well, right, hello, right. that's yeah. the point of the laptop, all our reporting for the last, you know, two, almost three years, has been about Joe Biden's involvement in Hunter's overseas business dealings, which were corrupt. So that's the story. That is a story that is in the book and that Mm -hmm. people on that side of the, the country need to read so that they're not completely gobsmacked next year when um, the Republican House starts holding hearings and you start seeing people testify under oath about the money that was coming in from China and Ukraine in particular into Biden family coffers, um, money that seemed to benefit Joe Biden. There is some evidence of that. And I think it's going to be a bit of a wake-up call for a lot of Americans who've been lied to and misinformed by their media organ of choice. And that's why I think the media is so upset and upset with the Twitter files release mm-hmm. because it, as as uh, 
Jonathan Turley and others have pointed out, and you've pointed out, um, they helped suppress, they've suppressed your story, the New York Post story. And now they're being found out, and now they're being called to account, and they don't want to be called to account. They'd rather, uh, they'd much rather drink scotch and soda at the uh, White House mm-hmm. Correspondents' Dinner and wear their stupid little sashes and so forth at the um, Gridiron mm-hmm. Club Dinner. And I, I hate both of those things. And uh, and rather, you know, they'd rather kiss each other's butts. Because that's what they do. They're like the chattering class of. Uh, there must have been the chattering class of Romans when uh, when the emperors were about and and all powerful. Because they're the same thing, the same kind of human, and they're going to find their comeuppance and they're going to be called out to the people. Yeah, I mean, I think really the story of corruption is a big story. Uh, because it involves the president. But I think an even bigger story now has been the cover-up, as you just mentioned. And uh, the cover-up was orchestrated by the federal government, by the FBI. So, you know, the FBI, we're seeing some of this in the Twitter files, and I'm told that there will be a lot more coming down the pike next week. Um, So that's good, because I think initially... The Matt Taibbi and Barry Weiss, who were um, mm-hmm. sort of deputised by Elon Musk to sort of unearth secrets from the bowels of Twitter, um, they they weren't quite okay with the nefarious activities of the FBI involved in the censorship. So now they are, and so now I'm told that um, will be that they've been looking for FBI malfeasance and. Um, may have found it. But what what we've seen is that the FBI was having weekly meetings with the social media companies, Twitter, Facebook, but also Google and YouTube and Reddit Mm -hmm. and the rest of them. Um, There were about seven that they were meeting, um, big tech operators. And they were warning, well, we know that they were warning Facebook and Twitter about an impending dump, Um, this was Zuckerberg's words, of um, Russian propaganda, basically, that mm-hmm. was going to come before the 2020 election and to be on the lookout for it. And he went on Joe Rogan's podcast in August, Mike Zuckerberg, uh, head of Facebook, did, and he said, um, well, you know, he was asked, were you told that it was going to be about Hunter Biden and his laptop? And he said, well, look, I, I, I can't really remember, but, um, it fit the pattern of uh, the New York Post uh, story. And then we find out at Twitter, even more specifically, Yoel Roth, who was then Twitter's uh, head of site security, had to give a sworn statement in an FEC complaint in a defence of that back in December 2020. And he said in that sworn complaint that during these weekly meetings with the FBI before the 2020 election, the FBI said to be on the lookout for um, hacked material from a hack and leak operation by state actors, meaning you know, Russians, um, and that would happen probably in October and probably involving Hunter Biden. So the FBI was out there pre-bunking our story 
so that Facebook and Twitter, the instant they saw it, would know, uh-oh, this is what the FBI is telling us about, this is Russian disinformation, we have to censor the New York Post, which is exactly what they did. Miranda, that's, that's, I mean, staggering. The idea of, I mean, John and I kind of talked about this on our last podcast together, but the idea that, you know, I look back as a kid, you know, reading about J. Edgar Hoover and, and, and the FBI and his, his malfeasance yeah. and things he did with tailing the likes of, you know, uh, Martin Luther King and whatnot. And, and I see that something like, geez, how could anybody let that happen? How crazy? Like, what a world to live in where that was happening. This strikes me as way worse because it has a much larger impact. And it, it essentially, I mean, was was tipping the t- scale no matter what you thought, you know, in, to say Biden's son is he's no problem. Don't worry about it. He's, he's a bag man. Right. I, he's I, the bag man. And everybody from Chicago who spent three minutes at City Hall in Chicago knows what a bag man is, sees this story for what it is. And uh, Miranda, how did you ever stand up to it? Because the the left can be uh, well, like the the flesh eating harpies of Greek mythology, and they <laughs> on Twitter they they te- they 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 befoul uh, anyone's feast, and they tear flesh. And how did you deal with it? I just just kept on finding amazing stories, like. For instance, that um, Rudy Giuliani had been spied on by the FBI, so they knew what to look for. Um, They knew that they had had the laptop since December of 2019 because the computer repair shop guy that Hunter had left his computer at, um, he had contacted the FBI and given them the laptop because he was worried that there was, you know, all this kind of compromising information on it. Um, and specifically, he, he warned them about Ukraine and he was worried about the national security implications of all the money that you can see on the laptop that's flown through to Hunter Biden and Jim Biden, Joe's brother. And um, So uh, the FBI just sat on that. And we know from whistleblowers that they deliberately, the Washington field office deliberately sat on that information um, and other derogatory information about Joe Biden that came to them before the 2020 election. And the FBI had this um, surveillance warrant on Rudy Giuliani's cloud. So they would have seen in August of 2020 the email that came through from that computer repair shop guy telling him what he'd found and that he was concerned about Ukraine and Joe Biden and corruption. And um, the FBI had access anyway to that email, whether they were watching or on, you know, asleep. Who knows? But they certainly had this covert surveillance warrant on Rudy Giuliani, which they took out on what looks now to be completely false pretenses because they dropped the whole case and no charges gave them back on his devices. But they were, and, and then they also would have had access to my uh, messages with Rudy in October, uh, early October of 2020, just, you know, saying, hold off, don't give the story to anyone else. We're definitely doing it. You know, it's a great story. So that would have given them the clue that the post was onto it and was going to publish before the election. So that just puts an extra sinister veneer onto their concern about pre-bunking. And so, you know, I have no doubt that, you know, I'm, I'm being watched 
But what can you do? You know, I'm a journalist. I'm not doing anything wrong. I'm just uncovering information and I'm telling people about it. It's obvious you were spied upon by the yeah, FBI. I say so. They were monitoring your... Co- Here's my belief. They were not okay? monitoring me, but they were definitely monitoring Rudy. And so, therefore, I got caught up in that. Right. And, and they knew that you were going to... Co- they knew about what, when the, the post was coming out with its story because yeah. of the way they configure the meetings and so forth. Yeah. But John, I think you're I think you're right. That's a nefarious thing. I mean, that idea that if they knew when this was coming out and there's this uh, they allude to the FBI that, you know, oh, October, look out, this is coming, yeah. you know, yada, uh-huh. yada, yada. It sounds, you know, too too uh too too much too similar to be, oh, it just happened to happen that way, you know. So uh, I, I don't I don't know coincidences in, in an espionage, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And you know, what we've also discovered from the Twitter files is that James Baker who was the general counsel top lawyer at the FBI throughout all the Russia collusion stunts, um, all their dirty tricks to try and get rid of Donald Trump. Uh, Right from the start, that was he was front and centre. And um, lo and behold, he shows up at Twitter as their uh, top lawyer or their deputy general counsel um, five months before the 2020 election. Mm. And the Twitter files have shown us, surprise, surprise, that James Baker weighed in on the deliberations in the morning of October 14 mm. and said, oh, yes, you know, we can't be sure that this isn't hacked material. Oh. And then even better, I mean, this is if this was a John McCarry novel, you couldn't script it any better. You wouldn't um, believe it. If you wouldn't believe it. it. Yeah. If you had written it, you'd be like, oh, what what are you smoking? Yeah. Like, oh, hey, you know, yeah. come on. Yeah, this the, is this put is down the extended into fast, you know, shark. <laughs> but um, no, Elon Musk fired um James Baker last week because he realized that he was interfering in the release of the Twitter files. So um, Matt Taibbi yes. and and Matt Taibbi and Barry Weiss had been deputised by Elon Musk because they're independent journalists to go through the Twitter files and release stuff. And I remember being so disappointed after Twitter files one. Matt Taibbi's a great guy, but I just went on Twitter and said, you have been snowed because he um, wrote a, uh, a, a tweet saying, oh, you know, I've seen no evidence that there was any FBI interference. It's like yes. federal government interference. I'm like, Really? Okay, you, there's a mole there in Twitter. Who's 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 vetting this stuff? It's James Baker, obviously. And uh, anyway, so so a couple of days later, Barry Weiss um, starts asking questions because there's this guy called Jim who seems to be, mm-hmm. uh, you know, <laughs> kind of vetting the files. He's the middleman, and right. she asks someone else at Twitter, "Who's Jim?" And he goes, "Oh, Jim Baker." <laughs> She's like, "Holy." <laughs> You know, Matt Tybee says her jaw just fell to the floor. Right. And so they go to, to Elon and they say, listen, you've got a mole, you've got this FBI mole who's actually now he's interfered with the election. Well, I don't know if they said that, but I am. And now yeah. he's interfering with the Twitter files. And so Elon just went in and uh, fired him and he was asked on Twitter, um, you know, did did he explain himself? And uh and Musk said, not very convincingly. <laughs> there he goes. But you, you, James Baker will show up. He'll be, you know, he'll join Peter Strzok and, and Lisa. Oh, yeah. 
and John Brennan, James Clapper, all those liars, he will join them on CNN and MSNBC as a highly paid contributor, giving his expert opinion about, you know, how how to shape, how to gaslight the American public. Well, what happens when you run out of room after gaslighting the people is that they often tend, if history tells us anything, they often tend to get angry. And it's dangerous when they get when they realize how badly they've been gaslighted or lit. Mit. Sure. And uh, I, I need to ask, though, Miranda, you were asking this right as the Twitter files were coming out. You were asking, I remember reading your account, your Twitter account or some column you'd written, and you were saying, I can't wait to see where the FBI shows up in all this. And it didn't. Yes. Yeah, that's right. At least initially. And that's that's why as soon as Matt Tybee finished his dump, I, I just said you've been snowed. And, yeah, um, and you know, instantly, you know, James Baker is the guy that comes to mind. It's got to be James Baker. Um, although the funny thing is James Baker was the top, you know, former FBI mole in Twitter, but there are plenty of others. Some some sleuths on Twitter um, dug up from just, and if you just look on LinkedIn, you can see it, um, more than a dozen former FBI uh, officials who work at Twitter. And and then I had a, just a cursory look through LinkedIn for Facebook and Google, same thing. Also CIA. So, Uh-oh. you know, these social media companies have, they're so enormous. Um, they're so influential, and they have just become giant spy operations. Yeah, and, yep. and not just for domestic spies. Um, there's, you know, now I've read reports that there are foreign spies, and why wouldn't there be? They were, yeah. they were rampant. They were running all over these um, companies, and the the people that worked at Twitter. Um, were already left wing, so they were already partial to um, the things that the FBI um, or CIA, whoever they were, were influencing them to do, and that was like deplatform Donald Trump and censor the New York Post. So well, they, they, you're pushing on an open door there. Well, wait a minute. If you're if you're running, say, if you're the China spy master, right, and uh, Hunter is involved with. Tens of millions of dollars with uh, companies in China. And uh, Ukraine also is throwing money, and so is the mayor of Moscow's wife, apparently. Uh, why wouldn't you be involved? Why wouldn't you know? Why, why wouldn't you play in that game? Well, why wouldn't you? I, you know, China has a very sophisticated um, espionage operation. And uh, we're having an, a debate right now about whether or not to ban TikTok. I mean, it seems, yeah. you know, that 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 is a um, a China-owned app that gathers the voice prints and the face prints yeah. of Americans and and their location and all all the stuff that Google. Yeah. Does. You know, Google is just a gigantic surveillance um, platform. So you know, these very powerful platforms which um if you control them you control the thoughts and ideas mm -hmm. of all america unless you know there might be a few nut jobs that are you know off the grid um sure. which I think we all possibly might end up doing <laughs> but we'll, uh, we'll end up in a cave you know or living yeah. on a and, yeah. and, 
And Google is the worst of all. You know, the search, it's such an insidious um, influence on your thinking when you search for something that you remember, you know, a story that you remember and just a couple of months ago and it's not there and you think, oh, maybe I didn't, you know, unless Mm -hmm. you actually realise that Google itself is a malevolent force that deliberately um, intervenes in elections. There was a report done by the Media Research Centre into the Georgia runoff just recently, and they found that in particular swing counties, Google searches buried Herschel Walker to like, you know, page four or something and elevated um, Warnock to the top of the search. And so, you know, just uh, subtle, and they're not really that subtle, but um, also, you know, the get out the vote push just to people that Google knew were mm-hmm. um, independents or um, liberals. Um, it's, you know, they intervened and there is a scientist called um, Richard Epstein a data scientist who estimates that in 2016 Google moved, you know, enough votes to rig the election and similarly with 2020. And no one's really taking this seriously. And I don't even know if the Republicans are. You know, that the Republicans, um, there are lots of Republicans who've accepted donations from big tech, um, big donations. I mean, Kevin McCarthy is right. speaker for Silicon, right. he's a member for Silicon Valley. So, uh, I mean, I'm not saying that he's not going to be legit. Uh, I wouldn't want to say that, but just saying that money influences people and politicians and they're, they're just have not been um, red toothed enough about these social media companies, which about big tech, which needs to be broken up. You cannot have um, a, a globalist, company that has more power than the leader of the free world where twitter and facebook were able to de-platform a sitting president of the united states and people people didn't care because they're oh it's who cares it's donald trump he's beyond the pale doesn't Mm. matter you know it's donald trump today and it's you know put in your favorite president tomorrow it's it's bigger than i believe it's bigger than watergate ever was Huge, much bigger. Mm. Why? Why is it bigger? To just to to give people another. I, I have my I, ideas, but what should people when they do battle with their terribly woke niece at the at the Christmas dinner over terribly woke. over over? Uh, not, not, I'm not saying anyone I know, but uh, you know, <laughs> over Christmas goose. What what should they? How do, how do we approach this as a debating issue? How do you approach it as this resolved? This is the this is bigger than Watergate ever was. All right. Well, let's break it down into just three sections. One is that Joe Biden uh, lied about during the campaign. That's evident about his um, involvement in his son Hunter and brother Jim's overseas business dealings in which they took millions of dollars from our greatest adversary, China, not to mention Ukraine, Russia, etc. Um, he lied about that. He said he knew nothing about it. And there's just reams of evidence showing that he did not only know about it, he met with Hunter's business partners, at least a dozen of them. Um, the White House admitted that when I um, 
discovered that the meeting that we initially wrote about between a Ukrainian hunter's Ukrainian benefactor that was paying him a million dollars a year, um, that meeting with Joe Biden in Washington wasn't just a little meeting. It right. was a dinner at Cafe Milano in Georgetown that Hundred organized to introduce his father, then the vice president, to his overseas business partners from um, Russia, from Ukraine, and from Kazakhstan. And uh, that that Russian uh, oligarch, that woman, Elena Baturina, you mentioned, who, who sent $3.5 million into a bank account associated with Hunter Biden and his partner, Devin Archer, she was uh, in on the guest list, as were her, was her husband. So um, the Washington Post tried to fact-check my story on that, you know, like debunk it, and, oh, yeah. uh, and lo and behold... Um, the White House admitted, oh, yes, well, Joe Biden did go to that dinner, but he didn't stay for very long and it wasn't uh, a serious <laughs> purpose, you know, really. Sure. So a little, he, he a little didn't bit even have an, just an olive, just one, an olive or two. <laughs> yeah, right? just, just, just $1, just one little goat. So, uh, so that's oh, wow. one. So he lied yeah. about his knowledge, A. Two, yeah. there is evidence on the laptop that he financially benefited from Hunter's uh, money that he'd brought in. And um, there's not a lot of it, but there's enough and there's certainly enough for the money trail that I'm told the Republicans are looking into. They have a lot of access to bank accounts and so on. And apparently um, it's it's proving fruitful. So, But what I saw on the laptop was um, commingled finances between Hunter and his father um, that were managed, you know, a joint bank account, some joint debit card. Also, there were some bills that were being paid, Joe's household bills, like maintenance of his, um, you know, his grand estate in uh, Wilmington or Greenville, Delaware, um, things like painting, replacing shutters, building a retaining wall, sure. um, putting in new new air conditioning in, in the cottage on the property that he used to rent out to the Secret Service, um, that was paid for by Hunter. So mm. that's some evidence that he was benefiting. And then, you know, you've got just the circumstantial evidence, the, the, the words that Hunter uses, which is, you know, to his daughter, you're lucky you don't have to give half your money to half your salary to Pop, who's his father, Joe Biden is Pop. Uh, mm. And then there's the 10% right. big guy email. So, you know, Joe Biden is in on the grift big time. And thirdly is the cover-up. Now, the cover-up is bigger than the the corruption story um, because, you know, to my way of thinking, influence peddling in Washington, D.C. is just a bipartisan disease. It's just that Joe Biden is probably the best at it. He's been at it longer. And he was from a state, Delaware, that was just uniquely situated to – to funnel huge amounts of money to a a really um, not very impressive senator, but because all the corporates were headquartered there at Delaware, um, there was a lot of money sloshing around. Joe Biden, Joe Biden, Democrat of MasterCard, right, when he was senator. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. That's right. And, uh, yeah, and and also Joe Biden, his, you know, if you want to get a bit deeper, his, um, relationship with China has always been curious since his very first days as a senator. He got wined and dined 
uh, over in Beijing. He went to the equivalent of Nantucket, um, a sort of a hideaway with um, all the top CCP officials who were uh, trying to impress, you know, this uh, Americans about how open and, and wonderful they were. And Joe Biden came back and he was, you know, waxing lyrical about how wonderful China was to such an extent that the Weekly Standard wrote a piece saying how embarrassing he was and that he was, you know, the minister for China and he should shut up. And oh. so, and, and Joe Biden then uh, became China's number one champion in the Senate. And he was the one in 2001 who, um, during the Clinton administration, who encouraged his um, quite reluctant uh, colleagues in the Democratic Party to vote for China to join the WTO. And, um, you know, China has cheated ever since. Yeah. Um, but that was, that, that, that had a catastrophic effect on American manufacturing, on the American middle class. Labor, um, yeah. Yeah. And so Joe Biden was, you know, the, the, the big flag bearer. So, and, and so you, then you look through his life and the amount of money that his family has taken from China, the fact that he took his son, um, on Air Force Two into Beijing to meet, um, you know, the Chinese and supposedly um, Joe Biden was meant to do some work on behalf of America and its allies to stop China from, um, this was 2013, from aggressing on, um, you know, those militarizing those islands in the South China Sea from um, stealing America's intellectual property. Um, you know, China had become extremely aggressive and, and it was America's time to punch them on the nose. And Joe, that was Joe Biden's job. And Joe Biden goes to Beijing and just, you know, swans around and says, Oh, you know, talks for hours to thing and boasts afterwards about how well he knows him and gets nothing, gets no. You know, they, they, they basically sent, sent planes. The Chinese sent planes over those, um, islands in the South China Sea and were buzzing them while he was in Beijing just to show their, demonstrate their power and then America contempt. And contempt. And, and so he walks away empty handed, Joe Biden, but, but Hunter Biden walks away from that little Beijing sojourn with a 10% cut in uh, an equity firm that was um, last time I looked uh, on the, the documents on the laptop in 2019 was worth $2.5 billion in funds under management. So it uh, doesn't mean he's Jeez. got 10% of $2.5 billion, but it's, you know, that's the funds under management they have. So he's got 10% of something quite healthy. And, yeah. um, and so, you know, that's all the corruption. But the cover-up is even bigger because the, the FBI... The FBI is involved and the 51 former yes. officials who wrote that letter after our story, five days after our story was published and censored by Twitter and Facebook and poo-pooed by the New York Times. Um, th- those 51 former intelligence officials wrote a letter um, lying, falsely claiming that um, the laptop, that our story uh, had all the the, the, the fancy words they used, crafty words, were earmarks of a Russian information operation. Um, and, and that was heard by everybody as they intended as Russian disinformation. They and, knew, they knew what the American media would yeah, do with it. Right. They, yeah. They've been practicing this game for many, many years, <laughs> many decades. 
They that understood part. manipulating. Yeah, uh, and they had a supercharged version of the media and social yeah. media where they they, right. they were already we talked about it were influenced and setting up. I mean, the Chinese may or may not have jails put up in our country, right? And how is all this happening over the last twenty plus years? And I gotta ask uh, ask you, Miranda, do, do you think in all that stuff as we call you know walk like a duck, toxical duck? It looks sounds like the Chicago way to me. Um, <laughs> do, you, do you do you think the Barack Obama knew about any of this? I mean, he Bingo. could have known any of this. Bingo. Yeah, look, he had to have known, didn't he? I mean, he was president, mm-hmm. and Joe Biden was um, conducting his corrupt business right out in the open, right under Barack Obama's nose. And we know that when Obama's people were vetting Joe Biden, um, the the lobbying activities of Hunter were a real bugbear and Hunter very bitterly had to um, quit some of his uh, jobs in Washington um, because of it to try and, you know, portray Joe Biden as honest Joe, clean-cut Joe. What does he call himself? Middle class Joe. Yeah. Middle class from Scranton. Yeah. Middle class Joe from Scranton, the poorest man in Congress. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who uh-huh. wears the most expensive. He's uh, um, someone <laughs> described him as, um, who was it? Fantastic writer um, who interviewed him back in the 80s, described him as like the great Gatsby. Um, he, oh. dress, he dresses rich and he does. He dresses rich. He has a champagne and caviar tastes. He um, he bought DuPont mansions on a senator's salary. Yeah, um, right. You know, he, he he built his dream home in the, mo- you know, one of the most bucolic, most beautiful parts mm. of the country. It's DuPont territory. It's the chalet right. territory, you know. Um, it, it's chateau, sorry, chateau territory. Right. Uh, in, and, you know, on a lake, um, custom built by you know, Pennsylvanian builders that his brother knew. And, you know, everything about that place is bespoke. And, you know, we used to talk about Joe Biden being in the basement during the campaign. You could hear ducks um, outside (laughs) squawking. Well, that was his his pond or his lake, because it's a lake, it's a pond, that Mm. his house is on. And um, that basement is actually a mahogany-panelled, beautiful handcrafted study and um you know everything in the place he has he has very good taste and you know this this estate that he has it's got swimming pools and tennis courts and um you know he's got his holiday house so this is a guy who lives high on the hog and he has this tammany hall style attitude to power and um, it is, it's the Chicago way, absolutely. And it, Barack Obama, at the very least, turned a blind eye. He, he wasn't, I don't think, in on the grift. I have a feeling that he sort of had a bit of distaste for Biden because Biden was such an obvious grifter. And, right. um, you mm-hmm. know, it, it, amazing that, and, and a liar and a, an embarrassment. And so I think... Um, you know, it's interesting when there's a guy called Walter Schaub who was the ethics czar in the Obama administration, and he's all very apoplectic about how terrible it is that Hunter Biden's selling his paintings. And <laughs> he always comes out, you know, he's very vocal. And I'm thinking, right. how come we heard absolutely nothing from you when Joe Biden was taking Hunter on Air Force Two to Beijing? Right. And- 
getting uh, getting on the board of this corrupt Ukrainian energy company and getting $83,000 a month for it. How come Walter Schaub didn't have a problem? But we do know from the laptop, because Hunter complains about it, that the White House, um, you know, general counsel, their lawyers, so basically Obama's lawyers, um, were putting a bit of a crimp on their style. They were not allowed to use the White House, um, you know, Joe's office for, for business meetings as much anymore. Well, anyone who thinks that he was living in a basement, like <laughs> Joe in the basement, think of a basement like in the uh, the movie Being There, like that <laughs> chateau, that <laughs> great castle. That was the basement. He is a bit like Peter Sellers in Being yeah. There. <laughs> yeah, he is, but he's not. He's Peter Sellers was um, was like an innocent creature. Yes, uh, there's nothing innocent about this grifter. He's. No. I, I see him coming a mile away. I've seen these guys in Chicago all my life. This is the same type of grifter. And it's like, basically, here's the thing. You don't like the fact that I'm making money? Too bad. Bleep off. Yes. If you don't don't like it, uh, well, I'll get you something that you're really going to like about your family or your friends or people you love. Yes. Because I'm Joe Biden and you're nothing. That's how they are. Yeah, absolutely. You you you've nailed it. And it's amazing how many Americans are still fooled by Joe Biden. I I don't know whether it's because I'm of Irish stock, but I same or maybe because I've been a journalist covering, you know, corruption in cops for a long time, but um I just take one look at the guy and I just he's a liar. He's a he's yeah. a he's a he's worse, you know, he's a real sociopath. And um you know he's losing it now. Obviously. Yeah, but well, it's. I but can't wear. I can't wear aviation sunglasses. Betty, yeah. my wife was. She's t- she's throwing them out. I'm like, where are my good shades? <laughs> my shooting my shooting glasses. She's like, no, I don't know where they are. They're not, and I can't find them because of Joe. And is that because <laughs> she hates? She doesn't want you to look like Joe Biden, right? Good woman. Yeah. Good woman. <laughs> uh, well, speaking so, of good women, Miranda, it's been great to have you on with us. It really has. It's been a blast. Um, and as we mentioned, too, before we cut you loose, uh, people should check out your latest on uh, the curious timing of the scammy Sam Bankman Freed's crypto bus. Right. Uh, it's a very interesting read. It has it raises a lot of uh a lot of interesting coincidences as we talk about. There are no such thing as good coincidences. I'm going to give I'm going to give Miranda uh, an assignment from the Chicago way. Okay, Miranda. Yes. How you know Chewy Garcia, who's running for mayor as on the prog- progressive ticket, because we have a lot of progressives. Wow. I call them I call them Jacobins, hmm. but anyway, they're they're out here. They're running, and uh, he he got two hundred thousand dollars from uh, twenty nine twenty nine hundred. Chewy did. Pardon me? No, no. 200,000. Not 2,900. For his campaign? There was a, there was a, let's not get into the weeds here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There was a, there was a campaign. There was a a, a political action committee. Oh, yeah. That he donated to Mr. uh, The guy with the welcome back Cotter haircut. (laughs) And uh, he, he donated to it and Chewy got, not he didn't put it in his own pocket, but he benefited from uh, expenditure of, of of that money. And right. I'm wondering when is that all going to come out? Because this is the Chicago way, not the Washington way, not the <laughs> Delaware way. Yeah, I noticed that 
the Delaware way in your book. I just, yeah. I'm asking. So, yes, yeah, Sam Bankman fried Well, um, look, I'm told well, Elon Musk tweeted the other day that yeah. he had donated $1 billion to dark money packs for the Democrats. I'm told um, Wall Street people say it's $500 million, like half of that. But, you know, it's a hell of a lot of money. Now, at, at the moment, we, we are only have visible in the FEC filings, you know, 28 million or something. Um, mm-hmm. But ho- ho- let's hope that the Southern District of New York is honest and they actually do get to the bottom of it. However, I'm a little suspicious about the Southern District of New York because of the timing of their arrest of Sam Bankman fried hours before he was due to testify for hours in front of the Financial Services Committee. Yep. And, mm-hmm. you know, somebody obviously didn't want him to spill the beans. They're obviously protecting someone, whether it's Gary Gensler or who, who's, you know, SEC chairman, former uh, finance boss for Hillary Clinton. Um, there's something dirty going on. You know, people don't want the, the full story of Sam bankman fried to come out. Um, yeah. so, and, you know, he's, he, he would, he's, he's been infantilised by his parents, whether or not he's on the spectrum. Who knows? But he's, uh, you know, a 30-year-old who is addicted to video games and that's all that drives him. Didn't even know how the crypto business worked. And his parents are hardcore, you know, democratic activists, professors. Oh, yeah, perfect. Stanford. Yeah, so they, and they, they've been over there in the Bahamas all the time. They had a $14 million apartment that was paid for by the FTX um, his father was on the payroll. So they were grifting off it. And you can't tell me that they weren't fully aware of those donations going to Democrats. They controlled that kid. Um, and I call him a kid because he is a ch- he's, he, child. There's child something, life, yeah. Something's happened to his development and he's t- definitely arrested. You know, he can't, when he's doing interviews, he's so jittery because he can't play videos that you can see him, he's just just jiggling and jittering and can't sit still. And everybody who's interviewed him has said that while they're interviewing him, like journalists, while they're interviewing him, he's playing video games. Even when Sequoia was doing this Zoom call with him in the Bahamas um, to decide whether or not to give him you know, hundreds of millions of dollars, he was playing a video game throughout, and that was written up as being, oh, he's such a genius. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, he was doing one thing. Your brain can't do two things. doesn't matter how much of a genius you are. We can't split our brains like computers. He was just playing the video game, and Sequoia wanted to give him the money no matter what. He should get a haircut, and he should come, <laughs> be- come to Chicago to testify before my committee. Yeah. How much money he gave to Chewy Garcia and the rest of them, because somebody lost money here. And I, I, I got a feeling that a lot of Democrats lost money for to support the power interests of the Democratic Party that wanted uh, Sam Banks, uh, Connor haircut money. <laughs> they wanted that money and they didn't care that who who paid because they had it coming. Well, but if you think about it, it's really a victimless crime. How many, how many like mum and dad investors have you heard from? It's been, you know, over a month, none. But what you hear is these big, um, woke corporates, you know, 
Sequoia, BlackRock, you know, easy come, easy go. They can just tell, you know, that. So if, if it is, is what it looks like, just a money laundering operation, and that is one of the charges against Sam Bankman Fried, money laundering and campaign finance violation. If that's all it was, maybe it wasn't set up like that, but certainly that's what it became, where these corporates that wanted to donate big sums of money to the Democratic Party basically washed it through FTX. Um, and so that their investors didn't say, hey, why are you giving money to the Democratic Party? We don't want you to be political. They say, no, we just made an investment in this, you know, amazing company. Oh, you know, it was a bad investment. We do make mistakes occasionally, but we've done so well for you on all these other investments. Don't worry. Um, So that's, that's the sort of, like, that's just a very basic way of looking at it. But don't you think that's pretty obviously what it was? Well, I called I, I called my own investment guy just before you got on the phone with us. I talked, I called my own investment guy, Terry. And I said, Terry, just tell me that you're not, we're not invested with any Sam Bankman free products. And he said, no, of course not. And I'm like, ooh, good. Yeah. I, I think a lot of just average investors are not going to be investing in crypto. I, I, I you know, mm, yeah. I, I mean, maybe it's something, but to me, it just looks like you're, you're putting your money, you're buying air. You know, it's the old exactly. fraud. <laughs> you're buying thoughts. I mean, yeah. well, Miranda, thanks again. It's been great. People need to check you out on Twitter to find catch up on your newsletter and, and all your great works at the New York Post. It's at Miranda Divine. Um, the laptop from hell is out now. Get it, read it. It's fantastic. Read. You'll need it because as things go, <laughs> as we go forward in this story, absolutely. This is the reference book. I've got it right next to my exactly. laptop. <laughs> exactly. I've got it right next to my laptop, and I when I'm watching commentary on this, I go back to the book. It'll come in handy in 2023, no doubt. Yeah. Thank you, guys. Great to talk to you. Thanks for being here on the Chicago way, talking about the Delaware way. Thanks, Miranda. Thanks, Jeff. Bye. Great. It can all end. Just say it. Cry out. Freedom. <laughs> no. How about that, Jeff? Yeah, that was a that was a treat, enlightening to say the least. I mean, I uh, I think we are not going to hear any less about Miranda Devine in the coming days. We're going to hear a lot about her uh, her work here because it's it like you said, it's like almost a, a, a reference piece for uh, the laptop from hell. And as soon as the Republicans take control of uh, the Congress, we're going to see a lot of investigations, a lot of names going to come forward, a lot of details here and there. And if you want to know what they're talking about, this is the book to get. So I, uh, I would definitely recommend it. Bingo. And great question about Obama. <laughs> oh, I had some help. <laughs> For Miranda Devine, columnist of the New York Post, the oldest American newspaper, and her book, Laptop from Hell, about Hunter Biden, the big guy, the 10% and the laptop. It, look, if you know Chicago politics, you can, uh, you can pick this up really easy. It's the same story, just change the names. And for Jeff Carlin, master of pies, future physics teacher, 
master of cats and the best sound producer in North America. And for me, John Cass, husband, father, editor-in-chief of your favorite website, John Cass News. Join us again, won't you, as we look toward Christmas on another edition of the Chicago Way podcast on WGN+.